Welcome to the New Normal Podcast that includes you and in our conversations about the scriptures and how we think about God. We are seekers of truth, askers of lots of questions, and wannabe scriptorians. We strive to demonstrate the joy of living the gospel of Jesus Christ through the study of the scriptures. So let's get started. Okay, here we go. We've, uh, we've taken an extended break. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, listeners have too. Um, but uh, we're, we're picking up right where we left off. We're in Alma chapter 17 through whatever we talk about today. So um, We want to talk about missionaries, yeah? Uh, I think generally speaking, just teaching. Or just teaching. We want, we want just... The, the emphasis is on missionaries because that's what Alma 17 is all about. Well, like, yes, but so maybe we ought to do it this way. Um, what have been your experiences with teenagers' attempts to teach? <laughs> I'm just going to leave that wide open. Mm. What, 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 is, what is typically, what do we feel like their power level as teachers in high school? Awkward. Inconsistent. I think if they're confident in the knowledge of it. Yes, but how many of them have it. been confident in the knowledge of it? Hmm. <clears throat> Give them enough time to prepare, they usually will come up with a pretty solid list. Something. And okay. maybe if they're comfortable with their audience. No, I don't. Does that I don't make a difference. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe. So, what has changed? I don't know if you've had the experience where you go to a missionary homecoming to somebody who maybe you had experience with in the seminary classroom, and you you get you go to their thing, and they give a phenomenal thirty minute discourse, you know, from the pulpit, scriptures, boom, and there's. You know, two years, I guess, is a ton of time for, for youth. But so what's the experience? But you said You said comfort level with their audience. In now, the now, they're, now they're being thrown. Now they're being thrown sometimes in a different language. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what's different? How do they So, change? I mean, that's kind of the idea. How do you get to the point where you go from a awkward, um, super nervous, you can't put two thoughts together. I mean, oftentimes that's what it is, especially... Jaren surprises the heck out of me now. But that's the point, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the point. They couldn't put two gospel thoughts together. Well, we're talking about the sons of Mosiah. Right. And part of their being even wanting to go on a mission was the fact that they had had an experience knowing not just good from evil, but living in evil or a rough situation and going to the good and feeling the love from God. That gives them confidence to teach. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And when I think about audience, they loved the people. They had this love for the Lamanites. They called them their brethren. Wasn't that the whole motivation back in at the end of Mosiah, that they couldn't... They couldn't stand yeah, the thought of, right? Yeah. The, the, just the very thought <laughs> that their brethren would somehow be cut off. Yeah. Um, caused they, their very, their very, their very um, but I think s- to, spirits, their souls to quake. But I think to your point, um, we jump to, in chapter 17, we always jump to verse 3, verse 2 and 3. But look at verse 5. It says, These are the circumstances which attended them in their journeyings. They had much afflictions. They did suffer much, both in body and mind, such as hunger, thirst, fatigue, and also labor and much labor in the spirit. So you can't discount the experience that people have to kind of have in that what order to in have like, Didn't that describe your mission? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm it was a, the... But at what point did you get tired of beans and rice? But, <laughs> I never. I'm still not tired. Did you tired not get tired of, tired I love of beans, beans and rice? rice? But no, but I'm even thinking of like... Okay, so let me let me change it. What, what, at what point do you, did you just like, oh, I wish I had a hamburger right now? <laughs> well, 
I mean, that's probably the first area, but, <laughs> but, but no, I'm even thinking of like seminary students who were really powerful teachers. They probably could say verse five is something they've experienced. I think you can, I think this is a huge part of becoming a powerful teacher is you've experienced much. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it that we kind of skip over sometimes. And that's what kind of catapults them into their next experiences well, that they're having. Yeah. So I want to, this, this is where I want to insert my story. Okay. Um, a lot of missionaries, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, gauge their success on numbers of baptisms. I think it really probably used to be more yeah. I was gonna say I was a missionary, way more than mm-hmm. yeah. I don't that think. used to be the thing, right? Yeah, it would always be kind of that. That was your the feathers in your hat was how many how many convert baptisms you're right. directly responsible for. And if you like came from Russia and you didn't have any, everyone would pat you on the head and go, "Oh, bless your heart." Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you for taking one for the team. That's how, that was our brother Scott. Yeah, he even extended two years his two years in Mo- in Moscow and not a like. I don't know if he ever had a family that was even... No, no, he extended his mission because he thought there was going to be one and it didn't end up happening. <laughs> yeah. See, you even still have it. Oh. <laughs> but so, it's odd for him, you know, yeah. because... But I think in the case nowadays and even in the early 2000s when they came out and said there's a higher standard of missionary yeah. service, that missionaries back when I was a missionary didn't even have to read the Book of Mormon. It wasn't... But now, when you go on your mission, it's you've a, read the yep. Book of Mormon. Yeah. So I, uh, the end of my mission, some belief. I had a companion, and and I don't think I worked harder my entire mission than I did these these last like three months of my mission, because he was he was going to go home a month after I did, and we both were like, all right, we're going to go out, we're going to burn over Jesus. district this place. Holy cow, we're going <laughs> to we're going to kill it because we've got all this experience, we know how to teach. And we're gonna work hard, and we like we we just knew this is what we were gonna do, and we were three weeks later hadn't even found a family to teach. Now this is South America. This is we had both had where we could literally just walk down the street and get like fill up oh, your, your finding pool. Yes. You can you can <laughs> yeah you can fill up your finding pool. Argentina just by wasn't down the quite like Chile in that in that way, but we had both had significant successes. We had defined it. We'd had both. Lots of baptisms at this point. So we thought, oh, the two of us together, we're going to celestialize this place. <laughs> we just had this this really unrealistic image about it. And, and after three weeks, nothing. And we were both just super depressed because what are we doing wrong? Mm-hmm. We, we, were, we, were, we were fasting. We were praying. We were doing all these things, and we were seeking the Spirit. And the Spirit was telling us where to go work. Like we knew because we, 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 even tried, we even tried an experiment one day. Like we felt prompted. We need to go here. We're like... Let's go somewhere else and just see what happens. And like it was even worse. And we're like, okay, we know the Spirit's leading us and telling us where we need to go. But we weren't having any what we called, quote, success. So we called our mission president. And our previous mission president was very good at the rah-rah speeches. He would tell us he would tell us the things that we need to repent of and get the Spirit mm-hmm. and, and like rah-rah and get us back going. Mm-hmm. New mission president was like grandpa. <laughs> he, was a, he was a sealer. He was a patriarch. Like not... Not that way. But we called him anyway, expecting this rah-rah speech. And he's like, elders, come to the mission home. Let's talk. And we're like, no, just just kick us in the butt. Give us, give us a speech and we'll go out to work. He's like, no, come to the mission home. He gave us milk and cookies, for heaven's sake. Like, I know. Like he showed up. as like grandpa's house. He gave us milk and cookies. He took us back into his office. And we, t- we, we explained him what was going on. And he goes, all right. 
And he kind of got a little bit forceful. He's like, I'm so tired of missionaries in this mission kind of having this attitude. And he said, what, is, what makes a successful missionary? And we told him our expectations of, of what it is to be successful. He had us read verses 2 and 3. Um, and, uh, and, he, and he just asked us, where in those verses does it say how many people Ammon, Ammon and his brethren convert? Because we know it's thousands. Because yeah. he goes later, he tells us that it's thousands. But it's not mentioned there. In fact, what does he say that, that, that is successful? That they were men of sound understanding. They had searched the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. And when they taught, they taught with the power and authority of God. And then he looks at us and he kind of pointed that finger. This is, this is where grandpa kind of went away and priesthood authority came and came in. And he said, are you a successful missionary? And we both looked at each other and said, yeah, I mean, we've had these experiences. And then he asked the questions, and how is it going to affect the rest of your life? So, well, we'll never be the same. This, this experience that we've had on our mission has changed us in such a way that we're never going to be the same. He said, you're successful. Now stop worrying about the numbers and just go, go serve. We're like, sweet. And we did, and, we, and we, we, we adjusted some things. We didn't, we, side note, we never had another baptism. I never had a baptism in my last four months. So, so here's the question. Okay, so this is good for those who are in the mission field. Uh, anybody who's listening who's maybe before the mission and even after the mission. So how does that type of experience relate to what we would term success outside a mission field? Because this isn't necessarily how to be a good missionary. This is about how to teach with power. Mm-hmm. So how does this apply? How do you see that fit? Well, I really like verse 2 towards the end. It says, they wax strong in knowledge of truth. So where I think it fits is when we wax strong in the knowledge of truth, when we know what God is telling us is truth, and we're able to testify to that to others, it allows us to teach. And isn't that, isn't that where it's kind of frustrating when you see return missionaries who have waxed strong in the knowledge of truth revert back and like it doesn't last? Well, Some missionaries, they go and just, it just it sets the direction for the rest of their life. But there's so many that come home and they just, where does that go? Also, when I've heard people say, I'm not sure I can go on a mission because I don't know enough. I'm not sure I know enough. I, I, this gives me the impression and the feeling that when you wax strong in the knowledge of truth, you're just trying. Right. You're spending time in the next verse, or part of the verse, for they were men of sound understanding. What allows us to understand? It's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So a person that has opened their lives to receiving revelation, walking in revelation because they keep the commandments and they've made covenants... Yeah, they're allowed to teach. Well, and I wonder and have confidence in that. Attached to that, I jump to verse eleven. Okay. Um, and and this sounds like a go ye into the mission field kind of a thing, but this could be just as much. Uh, you just got a calling. Now here's your calling. Um, you're, you're about to have a family, so here's your family. Um, this fits with this. You have no idea what you're going to do. Yep. You, you've studied. <laughs> you've waxed strong in the scriptures. Now in verse eleven. Now go forth. Uh, among thy brethren, and establish my word, which is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Yet ye shall be patient in long-suffering and afflictions, that ye may show forth good examples unto them in me, and I will make an instrument of thee in my hands. Those, those pronouns are interesting. Isn't it? I will make you the instrument. I will make But it's going to be in my hands. I'm going to do the work. Yeah. yeah. You're just an instrument. So, so 
So when you're talking about becoming a power, you can change that. Powerful teacher, powerful parent. Friend. Powerful friend. Mm-hmm. Powerful that, whatever it is. Ministering. This is, this is a powerful ministering, ministering. Yeah. This is This is such a powerful principle, thinking, ministering. Yeah, go ahead. I was thinking of those questions sometimes I've heard from some of the youth is, how do I, how do I share the gospel with my friends? Without being too overbearing, or without, or even knowing what to say, or knowing what to say right? And this answers it. Yeah. And then even they fasted and prayed much. Yeah, you you have to build two, three, and four before you get to eleven. I mean, you have to wax strong in the in the knowledge of truth. You have to have much prayer, fasting, understand prophecy and revelation. Mm-hmm. But then, yep. then be you go out. Be, and long it's not going to be easy. No. Gotta <laughs> you got to suffer long. Hey, suffering body and mind, hunger, thirst, fatigue. You got to be able to take you that. labor in the spirit. And then go, be a good example of what it feels like, of what it is to suffer long. And this is the Lord telling him this. Yeah. In verse 12, then with courage, who were with them, took courage to go forth yep. under the Lamanites. And declare yeah. under so the think about courage. that, for example. The Lamanites are their enemies. And have been, traditionally. Right. To the point that when they're found by the Lamanites, um, they're, they're thrown in prison. Yeah, they they're, have they're, a chance of dying. Yeah, there's, there, is a, there is that very real risk mm-hmm. that they're going to kill you. And you're going to go among the Lamanites, where for, for 500 years of their history, um, no missionary, at least according to the record, they've, they've not had, there's not been any kind of success. Right. They have not been successful in, in, in being able to teach them the word of God. And so here we've got these young men. But, verse 13, they supposed that great was the work that they had undertaken, regardless of previous history. And there's another principle there. But what gives them great to suppose? Their experience. Their, their experience, their courage in the message they receive from God, be comfort, be comforted. But, but, but ultimately... Now, I just made a cultural slip. I called them young men. Yeah, I guess we should throw that in there. <laughs> That's why this isn't just m- young missionaries. This we, is we want, we want to be very clear that if you actually do, we've we've looked at some of these are these are these are mature men. Yeah, they're probably in their forties and fifties. For some of you young listeners, probably the age of your parents, and and for you parents that are listening, this is they're talking about you. This would be yeah. your age having to do things, and we 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 do get it locked in because it keeps referring them as the sons of Mosiah. That we keep thinking of them as these teenagers or these young twenties. These are these these are these are yeah. for for a long time were rebellious, and I think that was a very interesting point that you just made there in verse thirteen. For they suppose that great is the work. They already have had experiences where they were the vilest of sinners. Mm-hmm. They're now going to go amongst a people that it is a cultural tradition to be vile sinners, and they already know. Well, if, if the Lord can change me then if I'm patient, long-suffering, and I'm a good example, I think I can have an effect on them. Yeah. And I, I think when I am approaching to sh- ministering or to sharing the gospel with someone, instead of being afraid, taking courage is the only way to go about it. These ones were approaching, these were approaching people that would probably kill them. That's not necessarily the case for us. No. Uh, but we can take We can feel that way on the pulpit, though. Or, or in a classroom where what we're, so, that way, we're really? so afraid of who we're talking to. Oh, you know what I mean? For what reason? Right? Uh, right. When we think about the people, why do, why do we even want to tell them what we know? Right. Because we love them. Yeah. We want them to have some of the same peace that we have in our life. So we should have patience. We know the word. We know the truth. We've got to take courage and just share it. Open right. our mouth. Because this is the harvest. Yep. 
And we have, yeah. we, we suppose that great will be the work that we have undertaken. Yeah, and yep. we have reason to testify and believe that. Right. We've seen it. And it took him 14 years to accomplish it. And that's okay. <laughs> Buckle up, we're going to do this. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This podcast expresses independent views of hosts and guests, which are our own and are not intended to reflect the official views or teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.